You can do hand reactions, and I'm trying to remember what they are. I think if I throw two thumbs up. There you go. <laughs> right? It's fireworks. <laughs> so you can react with your hand. Welcome to the Refresh TechCast. This podcast is focused on not dino nuggets, but actually helping you understand technology. Today's topic, we're going to talk about iOS 17, iPadOS 17, all of the OS updates that are happening, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, as well as macOS that should be happening possibly next uh, October or sometime in October, and really what it all means to you. So I'm Arthur. I'm your uh, uh, one of your co-hosts, and then you have... No, Raymond. I'll let you introduce yourself. <laughs> so Raymond, there second co-host. <laughs> you're good all right we're gonna jump into talking about ios 17 uh and just to kind of preface this uh ray you have not been using any of the betas right no i've been looking in from the inside or outside gotcha and i've been using pretty much all of the betas with the exception of tvos and then the homepod stuff I have a HomePod Mini, but I I don't know about running the OS on there, so that's not updated. But iPad OS 17, iOS 17, Watch OS 10, and Mac OS Sonoma, I've been running for a few weeks now, so we shall see um, kind of our thoughts. Starting with iOS 17, the first thing that they brought to the table at WWDC was contact posters. Of course. Um, I don't know if you've seen the contact posters that they showed on on uh, in WWDC, but they looked really nice. Yeah, they looked really good. I feel like it adds more life to each contact. And when they pop up on the yep. screen, when you're ready to answer the call, you just know immediately who it is. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll say this. Setting it up in the beta was really confusing at first, uh, mostly because it was a little buggy, so it didn't work immediately. And then the other thing is, is that um, once you set it up in the beta, it looks really nice and I got, it's gotten better. The most recent beta updates have been easier. Uh, I don't know what it looks like on the other side yet. Uh, so once I set up a contact poster and then I call someone on iOS 17, what it looks like, is, does it automatically push the contact poster to them or do, uh, do they have to accept something on their end for the contact poster to come through? But I've gone through with my contacts list for the most part. And uh, for people that I mainly talk to, I've updated them with a contact poster. Uh, so when they call me, I see the contact poster. And it, just a side note, it shows up on watchOS too. So it's really nice. The contact poster takes up the whole screen and it's really nice to see. Uh, so. I really like where this is going. And of course that led to um, what we'll talk about in a little bit, which is, you know, the ability to share your contact over airdrop or name, uh, what was it? Contact name drop. Um, yeah. And being able to use that, that, that actually looks really cool. Yeah, definitely. I think um, just these quality of life features as well as um, the contact features, obviously, and being able to distinguish people. I feel yeah. like just having the contact poster itself, like, highlights who you're talking to, and you can already, art, like, have 
what's going on in your mind. Like whether that's be your boss or your family member, you already got it going on in your head. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think next up, they kind of went through the whole list of like phone features. Um, next up that I had was live voicemail. And I wanted to get your take on live voicemail to, uh, overall and what you think uh, of the feature. I think honestly, live voicemail is honestly like long overdue. Like, it, this has been a yeah. feature on for like house phones for a long time. You know, the newer mm-hmm. newer generations won't know the 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 benefits of the home phone, <laughs> not these mobile devices. Yeah. But home phones having that available already going on with voicemail, just live, you're able to yeah. use it immediately. Yeah. So I'm going to say this. Live voicemail is not necessarily the same feature as what Google pushes with the Pixel, but it's kind of close. And I had this several years ago when I was using a Pixel. So it is. it does feel kind of weird that it's coming to iOS, um, but I agree with you. It is long overdue to be able to kind of see a transcription of the voicemail as it's being left and decide if you want to accept the call or not. They've made some changes in the beta since they first announced it. So apparently when you answer the phone uh, or when you send someone to live voicemail, it used to say that um, that the call was, is almost like the way Google had set it up, which is the call is kind of being screened and the person may pick up. They've just changed it back to the traditional voicemail uh, message which is, you know, this person can't answer the phone, please leave a message. Uh, Cause they didn't want to give the impression that someone might pick up the phone. Cause maybe you didn't actually send them to live voicemail. Right. That might've been just something on the side. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm, not, I'm nowhere near my phone. Don't give them the false hope that, hey, I'm going to answer yeah. in a second. Right. Or you see just angry live voicemails being ran across answer your phone i know that you can see this yes <laughs> i know you're in, you know you're there answer the phone it's your boss yeah. angry. i know you're screening this right now <laughs> but but i i think it's pretty cool it's looking at it inside of there i've only tried screen i haven't screened anyone that i know so i've only tried screening people that didn't actually want to leave a voicemail um, but you can see it activate and in uh, on phones with the dynamic island, it's weird because if you decline the call, it throws up a little voicemail symbol right next to the camera. Uh, and it kind of threw me off at first. And I was like, why is it not showing me the whole thing? Uh, you click on that to be able to see the whole live voicemail. So that's something to get used to with uh, iOS 17. Um, but I didn't really have anything else for phone. Um, so cool. You want to jump over to iMessage, some of those changes? Yeah. One of the things I really like about the iMessages right now is the new uh, check-in feature, especially like this check-in yeah. feature that they're going to be introducing with families. You know, this is going to be great mm-hmm. for like, you know, parents like yourself with your kids, like whether it be like yeah. going to school or you know, just a loved one, like your wife or husband going to work. You just want to make sure they're okay. I can definitely see this yeah. becoming a future yeah. though with jobs in the future. Like if you got a traveling mm-hmm. job as well, like they can send to your boss. Oh which yeah. 
which can be a positive or a negative, depending on how you see it. But I think overall, it's a great feature. I can see that, though. Yeah, I can say that, you know, when I've traveled, you know, my boss likes to check in periodically. So uh, it'd be nice to be able to, you know, just let them know that, yeah, no, I made it to wherever I was, uh, wherever I was traveling to that day. Uh, and, you know, I'm I'm here safely in the hotel and things like that. So uh, but definitely for for loved ones, family and friends, it's great feature to be able to just know and have the system automatically do it because, you know, I've been bad at this, uh, not actually just forgetting to send the message until later, like hours later or even like the day after. So I think having the system automate that function um, is really key. And then as I was rewatching WWDC, I thought it was also really cool to note that it sends if you don't check in and you don't actually respond to the phone trying to check in with you, that it sends automatic information like uh, potential location, um, iPhone signal, battery life. Um, so that way the person gets a lot of detail as to what could potentially be happening with you. Maybe you're just in a bad area and there's no very low signal. Um, or maybe you're stuck in traffic and things like that. Yeah, definitely a quality of life feature. I think this will be just with with how dangerous the world has happened has become. Like this, it almost feels like this yeah. is essential for your loved ones to make sure they're okay. Oh yeah, know, they get you know hit and run or ran off the road or anything. Mm -hmm. So just to make sure your family is safe and secure. Uh, one of yeah, the things exactly. they noted is that there will be an option with the iMessages where it will automatically delete old verification codes. On your iMessages, yes. automatically it, delete verification codes so they're no longer cluttering your screen for iMessages. Yep, and I'm really bad at deleting these messages and it actually populates when you're uh, getting verifications, hey, would you like me to automatically delete these? Um, and I think you can do it by text thread. So it doesn't have to be like, maybe you want to keep some for some odd reason, but, um, yeah, that works and it works really well because I went to look back and see if the text message thread was there and it was gone. So I can vouch. Yes, this feature works great and gives you peace of mind and doesn't take up the, whatever little bit of storage that it is taking up, but it doesn't take up that space anymore and it kind of declutters your message thread overall yeah i definitely i definitely think the clutter uh, the other thing would be like very helpful yeah. i got verification codes cluttering and i have to scroll down to just the text oh. some family yep exactly um the other thing that kind of takes up the uh, takes away clutter in imessage too that i like but it was a little it takes a little bit of time to get used to is all of the apps now get hidden away. Um, and they are just, and that happens across iMessage on every platform. So they all get hidden away into this plus icon that shows up on the left side of your message. When you tap on that, it'll populate. It's supposed to populate with the most common ones that you would use. And then if you want to see all of the message apps, you can swipe up and it'll actually uh, just show up uh, and bring up the whole list of apps. Um, and it'll take some time to get used to. I never really liked having the apps show up at that where they were before right above the keyboard. 
and I like it now that they show up, uh, that they're tucked away in case I need them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I did notice with the new messaging is um, the difference in the replies. Now you can swipe left to right on a specific message if you want to reply yeah. to them rather than hold down. I feel like that's great, yep. especially if you're, you know, if you, you know, you might sometimes you want to react to a certain message and, you know, you might accidentally yep. reply like very rarely. But if you, you know, you fat finger it, you know, it happens. So I definitely see this as a benefit. Yeah, it does. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Or even if you're using it one handed, it makes it a lot easier instead of yeah. having to tap and hold because that's not as always, as easy in action. So it's much easier to swipe. So mm-hmm. I agree. And then the other kind of quality of life thing is if for some reason you have a person that just likes sending you audio messages, now you can have the system transcribe them. So if you're in a place where you can't listen to the audio message or you don't want to put the phone to your ear and make it seem like you're taking a phone call, you can actually just have it, the system, um, have the audio message transcribed for you. And I think that's a huge thing, especially if you're in a meeting and you just want to know what's going on, things like that. Um, I could say I have, my wife does this constantly. This does not happen in the app that we use for messaging yet, but it's going to be a nice thing inside of iMessage. Definitely. Definitely. I think um, overall that's, um, that's just, I feel like this, uh, this iOS update is just filled with like lots of quality of life updates as well as like something I did notice if you're trying to like send photos or videos or whatnot, or maybe you might be finding Mm -hmm. like a specific photo or someone, you know, they have new uh, filters like search filters for iMessages. So you can just quickly Mm -hmm. find whatever you're looking for. I think. Yeah. That's just, it's not, it's very something very like, tiny but it can definitely make a difference in your time and time is definitely valuable oh yeah i think optimizing search is always going to be a great feature so and improving things and those are going to be minor things that you may not notice until you're actually utilizing it so i agree cool anything else in iMessage that you think not really i think um just what I've seen in iMessage so far, I think these are all great, great points. Yeah. Um, I did notice with um, with the tran- transitioning to uh, FaceTime, um, similar yeah. to iMessages, they have uh, FaceTime audio messages and video messages now. Yep. Yep. So now if you are trying to FaceTime someone and you're not able to reach them, whether it's video or audio, you can now leave them basically with like a voicemail or a video message. Um, so that way they can uh, understand what it is that you were trying to call them for instead of before, which is you would just get the call failed or unable to connect or they're not available. And you just can't do anything other than maybe send them a message or try to call them on the regular phone. So um I think being able to do that is a huge thing um, uh, for FaceTime. And I think it just, like you said before, just continues to improve quality of life. Definitely. And then on top of that, um, something I'm sure we'll lead into later on is uh, the FaceTime coming to Apple TV. 
Yep. I think this is going to be a really cool thing. Definitely. But I think the key thing there is trying to figure out. So they were using a mount in WWDC that I'm not sure is available yet. Um, but that's going to be a key thing as to where you're going to place your iPhone for continuity. Um, but I'm sure they'll start selling things. Or you could use like a tripod or something like that. Well, from what I saw that there's a, they got an automatic where it automatically centers you into the, with their continuity mm -hmm. camera, it automatically centers you into the middle frame so that it can track you. Yep. That, and then that it's using the center stage technology. And then if you add more people into the frame, it tries to center around them. Or if someone enters frame from another angle, it tries to widen and then tries to bring them as close together as they can be. So I think it'll be cool. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how the microphone uh, works with that. Uh, Cause I assume that it's going to use the TV speakers for audio. Um, and I saw cool thing and this will lead into uh, Apple uh, or tvOS later, but you know, SharePlay also works with this too, um, which is going to be really cool. Um, but yeah, um, Pretty much the main update to FaceTime is that, you know, it's coming to tvOS and it's also uh, the ability to record video and audio messages. Um, this next thing by far is probably one of my favorite things about iOS 17. So now when you're charging your device, whether, and I've learned this, whether you're using a MagSafe charger or you're just charging your device and you have it standing up in landscape, it'll uh, you can enable what's called standby mode. Standby mode is basically what makes your iPhone kind of look like a um, one of those like Alexa or Google Home devices, like a small display where it can display time, it can display widgets, it can display photos, and you know I think you haven't really you haven't tested the feature, but I'd like to get your take on what you think about this, and then I'll share more about my experiences with it so far. I, I think this will be just a great option. Like, I know that there's many different products out there where you can, like, buy these specific things to charge your phone in certain different ways. You yeah. can have landscape or whatnot. But this can also work, like, an updated feature, like, maybe intended, maybe not intended, as, like, your alarm, you know? There's a bigger mm -hmm. screen. As soon as you wake up, the alarm's going off. You have two screens of widgets that you can just look at. Maybe like a reminder yeah. on one side and then your alarm on the other. It's something nice yep. to wake up to. You don't have to buy a fancy alarm clock now. You can just buy a fancy phone. Exactly. Or when you're traveling, it becomes like your nightstand clock. So you don't have to use the hotel's clock. You could just bring a little maybe portable uh, MagSafe, like foldable. I've seen these like trifold MagSafe chargers that you could put set up. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool feature. And in my experience, it looks really cool. So I have a MagSafe charger on my desk at work. And I'll just pop my phone on there when I need to charge it. And honestly, it just looks so great as like a, uh, just like a desk clock. Uh, and just having, you know, the time I could flip through widgets if I wanted to um, and just have it display additional things. 
One minor thing that I don't like about it, uh, this is not even something that's that important. I don't like having an analog clock uh, for a digital device. <laughs> so that's like a minor thing. But when you're on the widget options, I've not found a digital clock version. So I can't like display all of the cool widgets that they have and a digital clock. It has to be an analog clock for that. That's a minor thing. I I use the the main one that I use is like the big clock if you've seen it and it like s displays a small weather. Um, that's my favorite one. And then you can change the color of the clock. And then a side note, um, in low light, the clock changes to red. No matter and the display overall changes to red no matter what uh, scenario you're in. Uh, and it does that just because uh, similar to what. They announced this with like the Apple Watch Ultra, the ability for it to change to a red clock. Um, but uh, when you're in darkness, uh, so yeah, that's cool. It worked. The one time I saw it work, it was like five or six in the morning and I was just looking at my phone and I was like, "What? why is it red right now? I guess the the ambient sensor was like, hey, the lighting is really low in here. And I was like, the sun is out though. I guess it's just a dark room. But um, this by far is my favorite feature of iOS 17. Um, I need to buy more MagSafe chargers now to be able to place them all over the place. And then the nice thing is, is that if you have one on your desk, on your nightstand, on a different desk, downstairs, uh, you know, in different sections of your house, it knows which MagSafe charger you, um, I'm guessing as long as you don't buy the same brand, I don't know, but it, it understands the placement and then it goes to the display that you prefer for that placement. So that's cool. I like that. And then I put a side note here with all of this function and with where the home pod is going, <laughs> is this kind of like the early home pod with a screen look? Because you can also invoke Siri on this. I could definitely see that happening. I, de I definitely see, like, I feel like, on the one hand, Apple is very behind in this field. But I know that, for example, yes. you have this, the uh, Google Nest Hub, where you got that screen yeah. and the whole speaker system. Like, you can, I feel like Apple yep. is slowly making their way into that field, somewhere where I feel like they've fallen behind and they need to catch up. I'm thinking, I just thought about this. It could be like the look of a HomePod mini, but with like a screen coming out of it. Like a mm -hmm. small screen, similar to about the size of um, an iPhone Pro Max or a little bit bigger. So who knows? Um, who knows? I don't you think there's rumors of another HomePod being announced, but we'll see. I definitely think it would be a major selling point for them if they can get it correct. Like the people mm -hmm. that love Apple and love the iPhone, they're going to hop on this. Yeah, I agree. Well, cool. Um, another big thing that's nice, and I didn't really tend to notice this until uh, until this presentation is. Now, when you have widgets, you can interact with them. Yeah. Um, it's a big thing. I think it's 
bigger on iPad OS uh, for me than it is on uh, iOS because I don't have a ton of widgets that will just sit on my home screen that I can interact with. But I think it'd be nice if I could. Definitely. I think this is more, this is again, just more of a quality of life um, update uh, for me, at least mm-hmm. widgets. The only thing I can see myself using it for is like for podcasts or like music or just a quick oh, look at yeah. something like just quick, yep. just quick access to that using widgets and interacting with it. I think overall, this is, it's not I something agree. like the next topic we're going to be talking about, but mm-hmm. you know, this is just more of a quality life update. I think, you know, certain people will benefit more from other than others on this. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think it depends on the widgets that you use. And I think the other thing to note is that third-party widgets will probably make make this even better. And that might be some of the holdout for some third parties out there, um, app developers that haven't made widgets that are interactive um, because there's no way to interact with them. Um, so they've held out on make, making a widget that they might have had on Android. So. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's like, it's going to be a great thing. Uh, I'm looking forward to it again, more on iPadOS. And I'll say this as we, as I talk about that too, some of these features are, um, they're going to be the same on iPadOS. So we won't kind of loop back around. We'll kind of just talk about features that are more exclusive. Um, And that leads to airdropping. So the, we alluded to this before with contact posters, name drop. That's what I was trying to say before. Name drop is the sharing where you can uh, hover two iPhones basically close together and they create this really cool animation and they just share the contact. Um, I think that uh, this is long overdue, like being able to share this uh, feature uh, and have this be the way that you create contacts uh, because you get the information. And from what I understand, you can also control what you give to the other person. Because I have a lot of information on my contact list, on my contact list. Um, So I don't want to share everything with everyone. Like, you don't need to know my home address. (laughs) Or some people do, but not everyone does. (laughs) You invite your coworkers to your house already. Uh, Hey, what's up? I I need your help on this problem. Here's my address. (laughs) Yeah, right? You can message me on Teams. Like, yeah, you don't need to message me on. <laughs> we're not text message buddies right now. Yeah, we're not. We're not on that level. I don't yet. know we, if you need that. Yeah, yeah we're, we're not there yet. <laughs> uh, something that I feel like is more. Um, I think that'll lead more into like this. Only works between iPhones right now, but I can definitely see them trying to yeah. implement with other phones just so like more seamless between people because not everyone has iphone yes you know, yep that's something that you know that's depressing not everyone has an iphone but you know i guess is. android's fine um but i think you know more more important whether it be like family or workers would be the way how they're changing it airdrop toward sharing files and photos and internet yeah. access through the airdrop yeah. system. Yeah. So with airdrop over the internet, basically if you need to leave the the Wi-Fi direct connection of airdrop, 
airdrop can continue by uploading the file from the other person over the internet and then allowing the the other person the person that was trying to get the content to download that over the internet so we don't have to be in the same area um airdrop is a great feature i use it all the time uh, because i shoot content on my iphone and then edit it on uh, either mac or uh, ipad and i have to airdrop all the time um, there have been times where I've had such large files that I've had to connect, uh, but mainly all the time airdrop. And this function would allow me to not have to think about the airdrop as much. Um, or if I'm trying to share something with, with you, I don't have to think about it. Uh, we can, you know, I can just start the airdrop and then just have it, um, have it continue without having to worry about us staying in the same area. Yeah. Definitely better if, like, you know, you're in a hurry, like, hey, I'll just airdrop this to you real quick. You know, it might take a minute, but yeah, it'll get to you. And then I yeah. definitely feel like the airdrop system, I feel like they're definitely leaning toward more, like, so being more social. Maybe, maybe that's like their yeah. intent, especially after COVID, but definitely like they're airdropping uh, share play music in movies, for example. Yeah. Yep. That could so be the, one of the enhancements in share play that I like is let's say we're in the car together and the car has car play with share play. We can now share the same music or if we're close proximity, we could start share playing content. So the fact that they're using close proximity like airdrop to be able to say, Hey, we could start sharing content together. Like we're about to go on a run together and we can listen to the same music um, by starting share play just because we're in close proximity. Um, so I think it's, again, like you said before, they're just trying to improve quality of life. And I'm really interested in the whole having people hijack the radio on a road trip <laughs> and just having the playlist change as you go, because people can control that. So Definitely. Um, that'll be interesting overall. Be right. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. Um, one thing, they announced a new app for iPhone, iPad, and I, I'm not sure if it came, if it's coming to macOS, but if it's not, it'll eventually come to macOS, I'm sure, is the journal app. The journal app, in my opinion, is not an app that I will begin to use uh, initially, but I think it's a great app because, you know, being able to write down things and having your iPhone remind you of writing down memories and things like that. You know, I think journaling is healthy. It's just not something that I've started, but maybe eventually when the journal app comes out, which I've heard. So the journal app is not on the betas right now. And I think it's because they are planning on releasing it in 17.1. Uh, so journal app is not coming initially on 17 uh, release, but I, uh, I've heard 17.1 and then uh, I think it's still going to be a really cool app. Do you think you're going to journal? Uh, you know, personally, I don't think I'll be journaling. I know, like, right now, I yeah. definitely see with the journal app being more centered around those with, like, you know, self-consciousness or mental health, like, yeah. improvement. Yeah. I can definitely see that, like, using this as a form of a diary. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that it also... Like, let's say you were just on a trip somewhere. It remembers location, the photos that you might have taken. It says, hey, this is a good thing to start an entry about. 
things like that. So I really like that. Um, something that has bothered me over the past few years, because I've been using iPhone for a long time, but for the past few years is the keyboard and autocorrect and just the keyboard overall. So one of the things that Apple is updating with iOS 17 is kind of how the keyboard predicts how you're typing. It uses machine learning and um, on system to be able to get better at the keyboard. So far, the keyboard seems to be a little bit better on iOS 17, uh, but the most important part of this is autocorrect. And I have not tried to do any of the weird autocorrectness and it seems like it's getting smarter as I use it. But every, I feel like every time I install a new beta uh, update, it doesn't, it, it kind of restarts some of the stuff. So we'll have to see more as iOS 15 actually rolls out. Um, but I'm really, I, I like the keyboard was so great when I first initially started iPhone and it's, I feel like it reached a point where it was, it was really good. And then it started going down and then I feel like it's trying to come back up. And I like that they're paying attention to that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And then if it, especially with the machine learning they're implementing, like over time, the more you type something out, the more it will auto autocorrect to what you are typing. So like, if you got yep. like a phrase or for me, I like to use it for, I think it would be great for me for work because I got a lot of issues texting my boss certain phrases that are yeah. like not in the dictionary, but only at work. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very tiring for you to have to constantly message over and over again and then delete what it's yeah. autocorrecting you maybe once or twice, maybe even three times. Yeah. You just got to watch it because if you're typing too fast, it can be very inconvenient. Oh yeah. No, I agree. Um, Put in here Safari and passwords. I I can't recall what we were going to talk about. I think I just put that as the update. Um, I know that Safari had some major changes with uh, profiles, uh, private browsing, and oh, password keys uh, as well. Pass keys. Um, I've actually. So I'll say this. I don't know if it's because I've been on iOS 17. One of the, a couple of sites have actually offered to use passkey instead. Um, and I actually find it really refreshing that I can use um, my Apple ID password or mainly just face ID to be able to log into information. Um, so I could say that Safari has not felt that different to me, but passkey, I can see as more uh, companies start to take it on that it's going to be a huge thing. Because instead of having to enter passwords, it's just going to be even better of an experience. Definitely. I think, um, you know, Apple is just joined, like, I hate to say it, but I feel like Apple is just joining the bandwagon. I know Google's already implemented this and, you know, having a Google yeah. account is very useful to just be able to use like a secure device that you already have on hand to approve and access to a yeah. different device or website. Mm -hmm. And it's more, it's more yeah. secure than actually typing in your password. Yeah. No, I agree. So. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where we need to be going uh, because password people's creation of passwords are, they're not inventive. They're, they're not creative. They, they typically use a lot of the same passwords. They don't use two factor authentication. 
um, unless they're forced to use two-factor authentication. And I think it, this is an important step in in passwords uh, overall for people. So I agree. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, all right. you know, one of the reasons I like Apple in general is just because, at least to me, I know it's it, kind of a placebo effect, but I feel like Apple is just more secure. And I definitely feel like yeah. um, the passkey, having this is just even better. And then also, along with security, I definitely like the uh, new feature they're going with the photo library, where you can, certain mm -hmm. apps, will ask you to gain access to your photo library and yeah now you can select on which which photos, which are photos. and what groups yeah. they can have rather than just give them whole access to your library yeah no i agree yeah no i even though there's a lot of prompts in in all of apple systems honestly giving me choice to be able to say yes i'll give this app that kind of access um, and give that third party this kind of access. I think it's, it's, it's definitely one of the reasons why I came back to iOS. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I trust uh, Apple a lot with a lot of my stuff um, overall. So no, I, I couldn't agree more. This episode of the Refresh TechCast is brought to you by Case Borne by Armadillo Tech. Looking for the ultimate protection for your phone? Look no further than Case Borne. The inner honeycomb design and reinforced corners provide extra protection when you drop your phone. Plus, enjoy sensitive tactile buttons, a protective screen protector, and even dustproof plugins. And with a built-in kickstand, you can enjoy your favorite YouTube videos or TikToks easily. Case Born by Armadillo Tech goes above and beyond. It meets four-time military drop test standards with a maximum drop height of up to 21 feet. Ready to protect your investment? Head over to getcaseborn.com refresh and use code refresh at checkout to receive an exclusive 20% discount. Kind of transitioning over to iPadOS. Again, I'm not going to go over this and Ray, I know you don't personally use an iPad on a day-to-day -day basis, right? No, I, I used to have an iPad, you know, it was great, but I feel like back then it was too limiting, but now I can definitely, like, it's the way they're changing the iPad, it's definitely can rivaling their other, you know, MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, even the Mac yeah. desktop. Yeah. So... I use a 12.9 inch iPad Pro with the M1 processor. And it's funny that I say that, and we've talked about this. My iPad is more powerful than the Mac that's sitting behind me um, because I have the M1 with eight gigs of RAM behind me and a 256 gig hard drive. And my iPad is one terabyte with 16 gigs of RAM. But of course, they run different OSs, so it, they utilize everything a little bit differently. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see where you're seeing iPadOS go. Um, for me, just like upfront, iPadOS 17, when I saw it, I was a little disappointed initially. Using it on a day-to-day -day basis, I can see some uh, some of the quality of life changes. That, you know, Starting off with, I saw this happening when they announced it with iOS 16 and they didn't announce it with iPadOS 16 widgets on the lock screen and having those on there and having a customized lock screen. Um, 
it's just I'm glad it's here. I'm glad it's here. There's a lot of great widgets available for iPad. In my opinion, iPad OS is really great with widgets. Um, and it's really because you have so much screen real estate, you can manage all of your widgets and you could there are people that have just whole screens, just widgets because you can use the app drawer and hide away your apps or you can use your dock uh, to put in a bunch of apps and basically just use widgets. But what do you think? You know, it's just it's finally here for iPad OS. And that's kind of how I feel about it. And that also leads into interactive widgets too. So mm -hmm, definitely, I think, you know, outsider perspective on the iPad, you know, I, I used to have one, you know, they were great, but like I said, I feel like yeah. now they're paying attention more to iPad. They're trying to give people more options. Mm -hmm. Um, like, you know, it used to be more of, so like, you have the iPhone and then you have like a technically the iPad, you know, bigger iPhone, but now yeah. the iPad's got its own like distinct identity. It's like moving toward more the laptops for portability yeah. and for operation ability. Yep. Overall, like great, great. Definitely giving people more options. Uh, I mm -hmm. don't see myself picking up an iPad, but you know, maybe in like a year or two, I can definitely see myself, you know, when I want to upgrade, you know, switching to iPad rather than buying a whole MacBook. Yeah. No, I think iPad OS is, it's getting better, you know. Um, and I think that, you know, the next generation of iPads, I think, are going to add even more functionality. And we just hope that iPadOS continues to evolve and get, I wouldn't say that it gets closer to macOS because I think some of the things that they've changed. So like um, a big app that I have written on here that I think has been more important to me recently than it has been um, over time is adding the health app is really nice. So I can view all of my health information inside of the iPad, have a bigger template or a bigger screen to be able to view all of that information is great. I've tried the Freeform app, which is available on iPhone and on Mac OS um, and having some new ways that you can work with people and have um, new pen options is really nice. I think I was actually using Freeform the other day and I think it defaulted to the new pen, um, which I didn't expect, but I actually liked how it was writing. So it, um, to me, uh, I, and I'm really big on how things write when you're using the Apple Pencil. Um, and then the other thing, and I need to play around with it more. Um, I don't, have you ever played around the stage manager on Mac? Um, I have not, but I definitely know that they're okay. changing the iPads, like window system, similar to how like yep. you can change it on like Mac OS where you can just adjust the window sizes. Yeah. So as long as the app supports a lot of different window variations, so for the most part, if an app has availability of an iPhone app and a Mac or, or and an iPad app, it'll adjust the window accordingly. But now you have more, what it used to do is it, it snapped more. So there was like only a handful of options for trying to manage windows. And now with, I, uh, with iPad OS 17, you have more flexibility. Um, one of the other things that's happened with this, so Stage Manager is a huge connection to 
hooking up external um, an external monitor and using an external monitor with an with an iPad, which kind of makes it feel like it's its own computer, right? At this point, because you can use a big screen and um, the iPad screen, you still and I'm just going to note this: you can still not use it in clamshell mode, so you can't close the iPad and just use the big screen. You can't do that. And then just note too is that iPadOS is still a touch first system. So some of the stuff, even with cursor support, is still a little weird. Like how you navigate apps is still a little weird. That's more a third party thing because Apple is really nailing that. But you can hook up an external camera now uh, to this. So if you have a webcam and you hook it up to your iPad and you have it on uh, either iPad standalone, or you have it on a big display, um, you can use an external camera, which was a big thing because when you were on a um, a FaceTime call or in a Zoom meeting uh, or something like that, it would use the iPad's camera, which looks really weird when you're looking at a giant screen. <laughs> but it's also cool that you can use the camera um, and actually center it on an iPad Pro or any iPad that is not the iPad 10th gen that has the camera in the center when you're in landscape, which is nice. So it's a good thing. Um, I'm gonna ask you this. Have you seen that someone has made a capture card app that they're testing and that you could hook up? So when this iPad OS 17 feature came out, People were like, well, I guess that means that you could hook up a USB accessory that has a camera interface. And then it was like, wait, you can hook up a capture card and then hook up another device to that. And we're talking, people have been testing gaming systems and um, to be able to hook up to the iPad. And when I saw this at first, I was like, what the heck are they doing this? But you can basically use the iPad as a monitor. <laughs> The app, as far as I know, is not available in the App Store yet. But have you seen this? I actually have not. But I definitely know okay. that Apple is definitely trying to get into more gaming. Because right now, I at least know like Apple's not really known for their gaming. But with their Apple Arcade, yeah. they're definitely trying to push into it. And then well, later yep. on, we're going to talk about it more in the Mac OS. But they're definitely trying to get a foot in the door with that. I just wonder if this is something that they'll figure out how to lock down or if they're just going to let it happen because the fact that you can hook up, uh, so a USB-C to HDMI connector and then have that uh, connect in, and I get what you would use it for. Technically, you could use it for an external camera like a DSLR and hook up that to be your webcam. but some people have hooked up to a um, to a console like a Nintendo Switch or a PS5 or an Xbox One, uh, and have it have the iPad basically be the monitor. And at first, I thought, oh, I mean, they're just using like Xbox uh, Cloud Gaming or something like that to be able to play this. No, this is happening live, no latency issues or anything because it's hardwired in. So it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for iPad OS 17. Honestly, it's worked pretty well, uh, overall. And 
you know, I think that leads into macOS. So macOS Sonoma, a, a lot of this again is repeat, but, uh, and we're not going to try to be repetitive, but one of the things that you can kind of tell behind me here on my <laughs> screen is widgets on the desktop. So you can actually place widgets on the desktop. And one of the things I thought was really cool is you can actually uh, using continuity, you have to be on the same Wi-Fi connection, but you can actually add widgets that are supposed to be for your iPhone onto your Mac. Right. Like I feel like this just plays into their whole ecosystem idea is what they just want all their devices to work cohesive, like connected. Like everything's connected, seamless right. working together. You know, that's definitely something I feel like they have over, you know, some of their competition. Uh, oh, yeah. just the seamless design of their systems working together at the same time. You know, you work on something on your phone, now you can slap it on your Mac immediately as soon as you get home for a bigger screen or something that you couldn't do on your phone. Yeah, I agree. It's one of my favorite things. Continuity overall, one of my favorite things, just Apple products in general. Um, video conferencing. Um, so... The, I saw the presentation again, and the presenter overlay is something that you see inside of, um, like I see it inside of Microsoft Teams at work. And I think it's pretty cool that you could place yourself into a PowerPoint. The one that I thought was really cool though, is that you could have, like, let's say you saw a PowerPoint just right behind me. Like if I was presenting a PowerPoint and it was just right behind me, I thought that one was like kind of a next level presentation. And it kind of, now that I'm thinking about it, it kind of looks like if you it, were using augmented reality and using like Vision OS to show something. So I can definitely, they're definitely going to be playing into that with the release of the their Vision OS systems. Like they're going to yeah. be, I feel like they're definitely the pioneers of augmented reality over, you know, virtual reality of other companies like Meta going for virtual yeah. reality. Apple is pushing for augmented to make it more seamless with the real world. And I feel like that's, you know, that's honestly the future of Apple. I see them taking on that over the other companies and people joining on simply because yeah. technology interface with the real world is going to be essentially the future until way, way down the line. But um, I agree. But yeah, that's. Yeah. I think next overall was, uh, so this is a silly thing and I think I can get it to work because I accidentally got this to work when we were <laughs> right before we started recording is now you can react, um, in a, any kind of call. So you could be FaceTime, you could be in a zoom meeting, you could be in Microsoft, you can do hand reactions and I'm trying to remember what they are. I think if I throw two thumbs up. There you go, <laughs> right? It's fireworks. <laughs> so you can react with your hands with uh, with Mac OS, iPad OS, and uh, I think with iPhone. So basically, I don't know what the other ones are. I think I was throwing up two, and there's balloons. <laughs> it's a cool thing. I think it's cool. Like, I would love to just have this happen in a meeting 
where someone is just like, great job. Great job. I don't know if I have to have both in frame. Oh, what is happening? <laughs> I don't know what that was. Anyway, you can react with your hands. Are you going to use this in like a class? I got to ask. I, I I don't see myself using it in a class. I feel like this will be hap- <laughs> happening like in many like conferences by accident. And I, that's definitely oh, just yeah. something it borderline like something like an April Fool's joke in a way. But like yeah. just something to add more life into their features is something that's what they were going for with us. And it definitely will, especially when uh, it randomly happens. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know how I triggered the balloons earlier before we started recording, but it what it it was hilarious. Um anyway, um Safari profiles. Uh I don't I don't really see myself using this feature, but I could get the sense of why you would use this feature. Uh, as I was, when I was reading through this feature, um, I was like, I don't know how you would explain it. And then when I watched WWDC again, um, it made sense to have profiles that switch between things like work and school or work and personal. So I don't know. Is it something that you think you're going to try to utilize? Um, me personally, <laughs> not really. Do you use Safari? I do, but I just don't see how profiles would benefit me. I feel like this would be more of like if you're using the Mac or something between like yeah. family members, or maybe if you have. Oh, yeah, like, a lot of companies now are doing uh, bring your own devices systems, and I can definitely mm-hmm. see it. Like you can have profiles, like you know, you ones that work profile. for work and ones for personal. And you lock the person yeah. in case your boss shows up, or if you're right, that exactly. employee, you're on your personal, and then as soon as the boss walks by, oh, I'm on my work one. I swear. Well, I can say this: uh, if I used Mac OS, I would probably use this for work because um, we use Windows-based computers. But I would probably do that to to change my bookmarks, um, because when I when I present at work and I'm sharing my screen, you can see my bookmarks. Um, I have intentionally placed specific bookmarks so that way you can only see uh, the basic ones and things that just don't throw you off. Um, but there's a lot of random bookmarks. Maybe you don't need to see that I access my Gmail sometimes. Maybe that's not important. I doubt that people really read into that, but sometimes when I, I can assume that when I am talking at length about something that you may just, your eyes may just wander to my bookmarks and you're just looking and seeing what I have. So I could see that as a benefit inside of there. I could see it a benefit in school if you're trying to present something as well. Um, But I also get that again, I think what you said, I agree with, the whole family thing. So being able to switch your profiles and have different bookmarks show up. Um, then again, on Mac, I could also have it where we have multiple profiles. So just logging into the Mac. Definitely, definitely logging into the Mac and just having, the, yeah. you know, something slight 
profiles, you know, maybe even on your personal, you're looking for a new job. You definitely don't want your boss seeing that. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. You don't. You don't want, want that. that. No don't, one wants that. Don't be the person that prints out your resume on the work printer either. Just don't do that. And, and if you are, make sure you bury it to that printer first. <laughs> Yeah, you hear that printer going off, you run to the printer, right? Um, <laughs> the other thing, I just remembered this watching, re-watching WWDC. You can add websites now to your dock as an app. Oh, yeah. I need to try this out, but I think that's actually a really cool thing. And uh, because if there are certain websites that you just access all the time, um, I think this is a great feature to be able to add websites. And actually they they're supposed to take up the icon, uh, design their own icon, launch into a limited menu. So that way it doesn't look like you're actually on the website. I think it's really cool. I can definitely see this as a workaround too, between like uh, the different app stores and the Mac OS store and the iOS store are very different. And I can see it to oh, where yeah around between adding the app store you can just open it up on your mac and make its own icon as if it was an app yeah do you think this is their like way of telling like the eu that hey like there are ways to load up more stuff onto devices of course the mac is more open than any of the other operating systems but I can, I don't think, I feel like it's a way to work around it. It's, I feel like too yeah. late, too late. They've already ruled on it, but, um, you know, it's definitely a workaround to keep people into their ecosystem rather than like going to these Google play stores or, you know, leading into this, the gaming sphere, like Epic store. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I remember that whole deal. <laughs> Anyway, talking about gaming. So, what are your thoughts on the whole dedicated gaming mode on Mac OS? This is definitely, I feel like this along with what we last just talked about are definitely the highlights for me. I don't see myself yeah. switch like gaming on the Mac, but I can definitely see it taking on the form of its own gaming console or like, if you don't have, you have enough money for, you know, the Mac, but you don't have enough money for, like, a 4K TV, then, you know, you could use the, use the Mac. But, um, yeah, you just built, like, built in right here, or you really just don't want to have, waste extra space on, like, your console being nearby, you just have it on your Mac. And, yeah, it's definitely going to, I feel like, combating the whole Steam thing that they're they're definitely trying to fight steam on this because the whole steam deck mm -hmm. that they got now i can see this yeah. being like a beta into them adding this to like ipads and iphones more direct yeah i think the more that they try to focus on enhancing the gaming experience and then um the other side of this is that they announced that it's supposed to be easier to port out games um, that are already developed to Mac OS. Um, I think like you're saying, it, it could lead more into handheld gaming on iPhone and iPad um, and just continuing to enhance that experience. Um, I think it's exciting. I, I like the, you know, 
lower latency with Bluetooth controllers. The uh, if you want to use AirPods, the the latency with that, um, it's it's really cool to see. And I'm glad that they continue to try and push this because it's definitely the area that they're struggling with the most with Mac uh, is trying to get that gaming power. And they're trying to push uh, that, you know, Apple Silicon is powerful enough to handle gaming. And I imagine, you know, maybe not the processors that we have, um, which are you're using an M1. I have M1. I, I think it's powerful, but I don't know if it's powerful enough. Uh, whereas, you know, things like the M2, uh, the M2 Pro and Max and the Ultra, I think those allow for more capability. We already see the, the creative side really loving this, but I think, you know, if if Apple can nail this down with graphics, then they can get more. And I'm sure they'll, there'll be more developers that are willing to take that jump. Definitely. They're definitely trying to move away from, um, you know, their competitors like right now with, you know, when they released the M1 chip, the very first time they released it, it was basically them saying to Intel, we don't need you. We got our own chip. Yeah. We can do it our own. We don't mm-hmm. need you anymore. You know, they get supplies from Samsung. Why do they want to add another like competitor to their list that they have to get supplies from? So this is yeah. definitely like a case where they're just cutting out a middleman in a way. And with yeah. them taking on, you know, gaming and like how we talked about with um, the whole standby mode, it could lean into yeah. like their own Google Nest. They're definitely trying to fight on I hope this isn't a way of them overextending themselves, but they're definitely trying to fight on multiple, multiple grounds with these other tech companies. Yeah. And I think that's where they should be heading. You know, I, I don't think that they're reaching a point where they're stretching themselves too thin quite yet. I don't think we've seen, we've seen that, but I think, um, I think they're starting to get squared up and ready for, those uh, areas that they've they know they've been lacking in and they're trying to to push that focus in um so watch os um the main things that i'll say about watch os and using it is uh it semi feels like a minor update but in a way because the, the way that the interface looks and feels is very similar. But the other thing is that, and I think I explained to the, this to you um, a couple of weeks ago when I had switched, the way you navigate feels completely different. And it's it's a little jarring at first, and I'm still getting used to it. But one of the biggest changes that's happened is when you push certain buttons on your wash, they now do different actions. So getting into control center on your watch is not a swipe up anymore. You have to push the um, uh, the power button to be able to access that. And then swiping up actually accesses these widgets um, that give you quick action that you can actually uh, change if you want to add additional widgets uh, and things like that. 
And then the other thing that I'm really loving in a lot of use cases is that apps take up the whole screen and they want to change how you're navigating uh, it. But what are your thoughts on watchOS so far, um, taking a look at the what Apple has shown? I definitely think that they're they're changing it up. Um, you know, there's a bunch of things going on with watchOS, you know, in that the navigation system that they're changing with the watch, you know, coming from the old system, it's going to, it's going to be a learning curve for me, but I can definitely see yeah. this as being more useful. And then especially with what they're trying to do, they're trying to make their devices like easier to use and more accessible yeah. to everyone. Yeah. And they're really trying to push that screen boundary. So like on the, the series eight that I'm using right now, it's pushing the interface all through the screen, which is really nice to see because I like that it's trying to take up a majority of the screen or all of the screen. Um, but I mean, the the thing is, is that a lot of it just looks, in my opinion, it just looks super, super nice. Like the now playing screen is one of my favorite things that's changed. The now playing screen before was like a very small uh, album art and uh, just a play and pause control with mostly black interface and now they're adding so much color to the to the os um instead of having everything be um black it's very much full color full vibrancy of it you know and they're they're basically saying our screens can handle uh pushing all of this color out like we're not as worried about battery life for the next versions of uh watch os um I wouldn't say that's a downside though. Like I haven't noticed terrible battery life other than some of the beta function uh, just being in a beta, but um, it is cool to see that they want to continue to push um, this because I think it's going to try to bring back more developers onto watchOS. Definitely. I think um, just them changing the interface and the, prioritizing the features rather than increasing battery life because i know that's a huge thing for some people is like every year they yeah. got to have a better battery we got to get even better the only problem with that is they're taking focus away from like these features that can make the actual device even better like software wise yeah. rather than the hardware and i definitely you know like it's just better and they can make software that makes battery usage even better as well rather than focus on the hardware. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Did you have anything else in watchOS to add? Uh, something something minor. I feel like this is more like leading into like their fitness category and like they're trying to make sure. it for like athletes what they're, you know, mm -hmm. they're coming out with like Ultra, the Apple Watch Ultra yeah. is their, the new features in the compass and, you know, cycling. The yeah. Compass app now works for like SOS or like if you're going on like nature trails or hiking, you know, yeah. it, can ha it can display the actual like hiking locations in like nearby trails that you could go on, how long they are. Oh, yeah. And, what yeah. and I think this is just something that, you know, if you're, you know, for the very, the very small percentage of the population, you know, they're going to be enjoying this. And they're definitely playing into like where the superior fitness app than you know like a Fitbit. Oh yeah, no, I I think 
you know, their main competition into that is um, companies like Garmin. They're going after those companies and they're trying to add more functionality to it. You know, I like the changes to map on watch OS um, to really enhance the hiking experience. The other thing I liked about the compass was um, that it can add uh, the last time that you were connected to cell service. So that way you could use full cell service. And then the other thing was uh, connection for SOS. So that way, if you're in an emergency, you know where the last location was and how uh, what the elevation was of that uh, location was. So they they now have Compass be 3D interactive map, uh, basically, that kind of shows here's how high up you were when you had that cell service or here's how up you were when you had connection to SOS, things like that. So now. I, I agree. Those are those are some minor things. And the cycling stuff looks really cool. The synchronization with iPhone to where you could have your iPhone basically show as your cycling computer. Um, I think that's really cool because you're getting the information from your watch and it's throwing it back onto your iPhone. Um, it's such a really cool uh, feature. I'm not a cyclist myself, but I think for cyclists, uh, I'm sure there are some things that they would still love to have. but it's getting better. And, you know, I think they're, they're continuing to pay attention to areas and adding more to the Apple watch, the fitness capability uh, with each update is really cool because it, it just means it's going to encompass more activities that people like to do and they'll be able to get the information that they want. Definitely. And I like side topic here talking about like the Apple maps, like I definitely feel yeah. like they're, like their whole rebranding of their Apple Maps is just been great. Like it, it's gonna, it's working well with like their new functionality with the Compass app and Trails. It's gonna work well and it's gonna make people yeah. want to use it more rather than like Google Maps, which is like, I feel like it's losing traction because they're not really doing many other like important things and updating it like Apple has. Yeah. And one thing I like about Apple Maps and why I've actually like I've moved away. Like I used to use Waze all the time, but now I've slowly like yeah. using both Apple Maps and Waze is um, with Apple Maps, yep. and I haven't seen this on Google Maps, and which is surprising to me because they've had such like a monopoly over like their map system is um, the traffic system. Mm -hmm. When you're traveling through like cities mm -hmm. or towns, on Apple Maps they will show mm -hmm. you like the next stop sign or when the lights coming up. And on Google Maps, I have not yeah. seen that. And it's very odd to me that yeah. Google lacks in this. Like, it, do it doesn't seem like a big deal. But, like, if you're in an area you're not familiar with, it's very useful to have. Oh, in the communication. Definitely. No, them. I agree. Yeah. I a thousand percent agree. So, like, when I travel, having the ability to understand traffic signals, stop signs, and things like that, um, when, especially when they're hard to see and being able to know that my turn is at a light versus a stop sign. Um, and this is something that Google maps has done for a little while. It was something that I think Waze has started to implement, um, recently, but Apple maps has been doing pretty much since the beginning is like understanding lanes, uh, especially when you're on the highway. Um, it's not always perfect, but in my experience, it works 
way more often than I've seen with some other map systems. Um, and it was something that, you know, made me switch away from Waze overall, other than, you know, I liked Waze for the, the social traffic updates, but, you know, it's all, all of the map systems are getting better at that. And um, yeah, the whole stoplight, the stop sign, and then the, the lanes, those were big things for me with, with Apple Maps. Definitely. And then I, so, I think also like the integration of the voiceover in the navigation compared to Google, like Apple will tell me updatedly, like you're going to be turning it this light. Whereas on Google, they'll tell you in like 800 feet, you're going to be making this turn. I'm like, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't care enough to do measurements in my head as I'm driving. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's just not necessary. I like the connection kind of coming back to the watch too. I always like the connection with the watch uh, too. Mm-hmm. And then especially if you're walking in the city, you can use the watch's uh, interface to be able to see where you're going. And then it taps uh, you in certain ways to tell you if you're supposed to turn right or left. So I've always liked that feature. Um, but I like that it does that even on um, even when I'm driving in the car. Uh, I can still see what uh what's coming up and my watch can actually tap me um and say hey you got a turn or an exit coming up things like that so couldn't agree more (laughs) so i think the last os we're talking about because we're not really talking about home is tvos and the only thing that i really had for this so tvOS has had some minor changes again it's the um it's the one operating system I haven't updated and trialed uh yet uh actually after watching wwdc I am installing it on my main apple TV um as we speak so hopefully I'll <laughs> have more about that at a later point but you know, and we alluded to this earlier, FaceTime is coming to tvOS, and I think it's a great thing. Um, they're going to have continuity camera. One of the things that they announced at WWDC, though, is that Zoom and WebEx are coming to Apple TV, too. And I think the most exciting thing for me is this is going to open the door to applications like that to be able to have video conferencing apps on Apple TV which means that this is more of a enterprise thing to me. Uh, and I know you also had some enterprise notes uh, for TVOS, but when you're talking about setting up a conference room or conference space and picking a system to be able to do this, you know, some people will actually hook up computers. Some people like my work, we have, um, we have uh, Microsoft wireless display adapters to be able to display our, our Windows computers onto the TV screens. But if we're conferencing with someone in a room, having an Apple TV with an iPhone um, and being able to use just those devices to video conference with people, I think is going to be a game changer for setting up these rooms. Definitely. I think also, like, I know that some companies are fighting against this, but this will definitely help with the argument of work from home. Like, the more that work from home becomes more accepted, like, this can be something that, you know, Apple can play with. 
ironically they're fighting against it yeah. you know but um <laughs> i can definitely see it being for that you know we work from home yeah. you know, if you have a conference you just use your apple tv you already got one and if yeah. you don't got one yet <laughs> if you don't have one yet uh, here's another reason why you could consider it or if your company uses mac and uh or iPhone and things like that, and you're using one of these apps like Zoom or WebEx, you could consider utilizing uh, an Apple TV now in a conference area to be able to make those calls uh, and host those meetings, things like that. And I'm sure that you could still join those meetings from a Mac to be able to share screen. But when you're in a room setting with multiple people and you're meeting with, uh, with someone, um, it's so much easier to just have a single camera uh, that can capture the whole room is placed in a uh, centralized location, like above a TV or below the TV uh, and just make it easier. And just using an, uh, like an Apple TV to be able to connect that. I mean, it's going to be a game changer. I'm curious to see if apps like Microsoft teams, um, which is what my company uses for these types of things, um, would also consider making an app. I know Microsoft has been, they, they love testing out a bunch of Apple stuff. So I'm curious to see if that's something that they're considering doing. Um, if not now, maybe at a later point after tvOS is out for a little while uh, and, and seeing how people utilize this feature. Uh, I'm excited about it um, and excited to see what happens next with it. Definitely, and off like off topic, but um, they're updating the software so now they can support the VPN. And I know VPN right now has become like huge. So like, not only can you like bring this brick with you now, like if you're traveling for work, yeah. you can bring the Apple TV brick with you to these hotels. Use VPN, and now you can have access to your stuff from the hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I think, thing. you know, bringing VPN capabilities to TVOS makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then also on a side note, um, I don't have one, but I'm sure this can happen is uh, finding a remote and Siri can help you with this. With yeah, new... uh, that was one of the other reasons why I'm trying this out. So when I when I updated iOS 17, but I didn't have it on tvOS, it kind of popped up for a second because I sometimes use my iPhone to control my Apple TV, um, especially when the remote is not near me. Uh, so <laughs> I'm curious to see how this feature works because right now I have a, a, a case on my Apple TV remote with an AirTag inside of it so I can find the remote. Now I'm wondering if I can use the AirTag for something else and, you know, stop using that and have the remote be findable some other way. Um, I was, uh, this is a huge sign note. when they changed the remote, I was really disappointed that they did not build this in because they had already announced the AirTag. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like it something like, that like, have thought ahead for like it's something yeah, that everyone if, loses everyone loses the remote 
everyone loses the remote. This was something that they could have just had from the start, but I'm glad that it's here. I, I'm curious to test it and see how well it works because the AirTag, one of the big differences that I know is that the AirTag can be found um, using the U1 chip inside of it. And then the other thing is that it can be, uh, you can have it play sound. That's probably going to be the big difference. Um, but the U1 chip works so well. So I'm curious how Bluetooth or if they installed a U1 chip. I don't know, but it, it's going to be cool to see. Um, one thing that you brought up before, so bringing an Apple TV to a hotel room, and I, I should have put this early in the AirPlay, but I love that eventually, I don't know how long this is going to take. From what I was reading, it's working with certain LG TVs, and I don't know what that means, but you'll soon be able to AirPlay at certain hotels to the TVs that are already at the hotel. And I can't tell you that this feature needs to happen. It, it should have already happened, but I'm excited that it's coming at some point. I hope it doesn't take that long, but uh, we'll see. I can see the why they haven't, because I know there's a lot. Apple's very particular about their systems. They're very security centric. I can see them yeah. seeing where like certain developers of TVs don't give them like the permissions that they want to make sure that there's no way, you know, there's going to be something that slips in the cracks and infiltrates the system of your device owner because, you know, what yeah. What better like way to show that your iPhone got hacked because you decided to use the iPhone for one of its features to airdrop to a hotel TV. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I think the main reason why it hasn't come out is one, hotels don't update their TVs that often. Um, and two, so hotels lock down their TVs a lot. I mean, they will turn off HDMI ports on their TVs too. Uh, so it just depends on where you go. And sometimes it doesn't even depend on the chain of hotels that you go to. Um, but it's a it's a feature that will come eventually. It'll be a nice feature when the next time you stay at a hotel and you want to just watch content that's available uh, and you don't want to log in. Some hotels offer the feature where you could log into your personal Netflix or YouTube and they're just like, and then I'm like, wait, I don't want to log into my stuff on yeah. this TV. And they're just like, you know, it'll erase. Nope, I don't trust it. So. Yeah, I, this is a better function because at least I'm controlling that I don't need to log in. You don't get my content. You just get the what I'm trying to play. So exactly. And then I think I think along with this, the whole thing about um, I know this is a major problem with Airbnb. Like hotels are now too, where like things will be left and they have a camera in them or something. And then like if yeah. you put in your password for a certain like service well now they just got your password that you just put in there and you know back to the whole thing about passwords yeah, exactly. people use the yep. same passwords for everything now you just gave them access mm -hmm. to everything yep we don't want that don't do that yeah don't, don't do sign that. into don't your accounts <laughs> don't be that guy <laughs> don't be that guy yeah don't be that all right guy. so we are 
recording this a couple, maybe about what, 10 days before the next Apple event. So the, the rumor is, is that this is a September event. So this is definitely going to be an iPhone event. Um, the headline for the, um, the event that was sent out to reporters is Wonderlust. I don't really know what that means, but I wanted to get your take on what the predictions, what you think is going to happen at this September 12th event. Well, obviously, like we're expecting the new iPhone to be released. That's their major like selling point right there is the iPhone. Everyone wants the new iPhone. Yeah. You know, if you're an Android user, I'm sorry, but you need an iPhone. Get with the program. <laughs> but um, like what I'm wanting is like it's very like I guess it's only for me that's important for, but I'm yeah. wanting them to add touch id to the iphone because they already brought it to the ipad and i don't have it for the iphone so you miss touch id i miss touch id on my phone you know they can they've already done it with the power button on the ipad just you know just put it to you know put it to yeah. iphone sometimes i don't want to look at my phone to open it it's so much quicker if i pull it out of my pocket as i'm lifting it up it's already unlocked because I'm holding the power button. You know, it's, okay. it's a quality of life thing. You've already got these other updates in the iOS system for quality of life. You, you just add this one thing yeah. to me. I mean, Face ID has gotten faster. I, I can tell you that with the 14, it's it's gotten faster. But I can see what you're saying. Giving people options. Yeah, some people, you know, my yeah. coworker, He's very against doing the Face ID because he got the new iPhone. He's very old. He's like, I'm not yeah. giving people my Face ID. I'm like, you know, in reality, if someone wants your Face ID, there's plenty of cameras around. You you lost your you lost your right to your face a long time ago. But he's very against that. Got a driver's he's license. Yep. Driver's license. You know, cameras can be a big guy in your face. Yeah, they already got your face. Yeah. If they really want your face, they got it. You know. Yeah. It's too late. <laughs> it's already happened. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so, of course, the big expectation of the iPhone 15 series is that uh, it's switching to USB-C. Um, so we're about to make a big port switch. Um the case, the I think it's funny that I've been seeing online that some of the vendors are starting to promote um, USB-C, um, really hinting at this. Uh, so it's becoming way more obvious that that is coming to play. Of course, this USB-C transition is happening because of the EU um, coming down and saying that... Um, you know, manufacturers by, I think, 2024 need to switch to the common standard of USB-C. So are you excited? Are you hoping that Apple doesn't do anything weird with the USB-C port? You know, what are your thoughts? You know, I, hmm, you know, I'm all for it. 
you know, having a universal like charger, it makes it easier for like people to switch over to iPhone because you know, oh, I don't have yeah. to buy a new charger. But for me with a lightning charger. charger, with me with a lightning charger, you better have a you better have a charger in that iPhone that I buy because I'm gonna be very upset if I don't have a USB C charger <laughs> with my phone. Oh. When I get when I got the it was coming the cable. Yeah. You never know. They already took the brick. They're coming for the cable. The cable's they gonna might be gone. one day. <laughs> they already they set their sight. Right. I don't think they're doing it anytime soon. I mean, never the rumor this past week is that they are going to ship a braided cable with uh, with the iPhone 15 series, which I don't I don't really believe. Um, because they don't do that now on iPhone or iPad. They only do it with certain Macs. Like, did your Mac come with a braided cable? I do. I love this thing. Yeah. But it's, uh, is it, yours is USB-C to Lightning, right? Um, Yeah, it is. Because that's how the Mac accessories? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, Yeah. I don't think they're going to ship braided cables, but um, it would be nice if they ship longer cables with the iPhone. Um, I, I'll i say this about the USB-C transition. I'm excited for it to switch over and finally have a, a common standard. Um, I have a bunch of USB-C cables, um, so I'm not worried about it, but... Um, I mean, I really hope that, like, the big thing I'm worried about is that they're going to figure out some way to proprietize the USB-C cable in some way, or the port in some way. My main thing that I'm hoping for is that they put Thunderbolt capability in the Pro Series and eventually it come down the line. Um, So that way, faster data speeds... Uh, for transferring data, but also faster speeds uh, for potentially charging. That's always been my big thing, is having faster charging. I think the rumor is is that the the iPhone um, Pro lineup is supposed to be able to support 30 or 35 watt charging, um, which should add a pretty decent speed to the um, to the lineup uh, for recharge, but and then they're supposed to have bigger batteries too, um, but I, you know I don't know. As far as anything else that could happen next week, you know, there's rumors that we're going to get new Apple watches, of course, uh, um, Series Nine watches. There's a rumored uh, second version of the Apple Watch Ultra, um, but you know, I'm curious to see if there's something that they haven't, that's not in the rumor mill now that we could hope for, but it seems like it's just watch and iPhone. You think, could there be something else that they announce? Um, They could very well announce, like, more back to what we were talking about gaming. Like, they're coming out with this gaming mode for, like, Mac. Could they be coming out Mm -hmm. with more gaming options for their phones or iPad? Like something Maybe. that they're not leading, like they're not advertising yet because they're wanting a big yeah. reveal. You know, if they did that, 
like I said before, it would be very much a direct attack against like these mobile games like the Nintendo Switch yeah. or the Steam Deck. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that I think I'm hopeful for is when they announce standby mode, I wanted to see if they were going to announce also a home pod with a display. Um, I don't know if that, so I don't know if that's a connection to more of the Mac than it is with the iPhone, but typically a Mac stuff would be announced in October and iPhone is pretty much September and the watch kind of follows suit with the iPhone. I don't think we're expecting new iPads anytime soon. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, September event. Um, those are the main predictions. We'll see what actually happens. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts? Uh, final, you know, final thoughts. Um, you know, back to what, what I want. You know, it's very much a, a me thing. Bring back a Touch ID to the iPhone. Touch you ID. Know? Touch ID to the that's iPhone. That's the thing that they're, that's the surprise announcement. Is yeah, I, the, iPhone 15 gonna be... is going to support Touch ID again. Yeah. Yep. Bring it back. It's been years. I've been waiting. I'll keep waiting. Well, if you made it this far into the episode, honestly, thank you for listening to the whole episode. <laughs> um, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and like. If you're listening to this in a podcast platform, don't forget to add this to your library or subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening in, in Apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate the podcast. Um, we're planning to release these uh, at least once a week if we can. Um, but, you know, we'll try and get these out as we can get the schedules aligned and try to get on a re regular cadence. This is the first episode of the Refresh TechCast. Again, my name is Arthur, uh, and I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Ray, take them out. <laughs> Then my name's Raymond. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the time you've been, uh, if you've been here this entire time, like, congrats to you. <laughs> congrats to you. All right. Congrats to you. Congrats to you.